This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. Boy, do we have a show for you this week. The highly anticipated interview with the self-proclaimed world's most muscular DJ is here. Our fascination with this hyper-confident caricature of masculinity began some time ago, and now finally we have come face-to-face, or rather ear-to-ear, with Gils Einerson, the brains, and more importantly, the body, behind DJ Muscle Boy. Despite the superficial exterior, Gills is a complicated man with a serious love for strength training. Through our conversation, we find that the passion for lifting preceded his introduction into the limelight. But Gills' public persona did not go without scrutiny. As his popularity gained momentum and success, so did the hater outrage. How did DJ Muscle Boy combat the misguided opinions? Simple, he didn't. He embraced the notoriety, albeit negative, and capitalized on the imposed stereotypes. Gills tells us about some of the major influences in his life, one in particular who is an Iceland favorite, Jean-Paul Sigmarsson, who famously said there is no reason to be alive if you can't deadlift. And later he died at age 32 doing what he loved. Yes, he died deadlifting. Although Gills is widely known as DJ Muscle Boy and one of the pioneers of metrosexuality, his interest and focus has always been training. As an educated fitness professional, he maintains that diet is the single most limiting factor for the majority of his clients. This hurdle is one that he imposes straight from the start with any athlete. And as he assures us, no matter how much they might struggle, he quote, never gives up on them. And now I'm pleased to present you with admirer of Arnold, Sly Stallone, and Nick Cage. No, I'm not talking about Luke Summers. I'm talking about the real deal, the Icelandic sensation, DJ Muscleboy. Here's episode 109. Welcome to the premier podcast in strength conditioning. This is Power Athlete Radio. We have a great show for you today. Uh, Currently, we are joined by the regular cast of characters. We've got Bobby, Levi, John, Tex, and myself, Callie. And we also are joined by uh, a a person that I've looked at as a hero. Um, I've been inspired by their music and uh, just generally is a pop culture icon right now. And that is... Gills, he is actually DJ Muscle Boy. So if you guys have been seeing the links that I've been posting on the site, uh, you'll notice that he is—he's uh, the DJ that uh, everybody's sort of uh, been looking into and looking at the posts recently. Gills, how are you? I am very good, thank you. Uh, so Gills, tell us uh, a little bit about where you're from and what you're currently up to. I am from Iceland, a tiny country in Europe. 300,000 uh, people live here. Wow. And uh, it's cold basically <laughs> year round, which uh, sucks because I love sunshine. Yeah. And I am, uh, I work at a gym called Sportusi, and on weekends I am uh, a highly successful teacher called Teacher Muscle Boy. <laughs> and pretty <laughs> humble as well, which is, which is great. <laughs> oh, thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, you have to be a little bit confident to call yourself DJ Muscle Boy. Um, so, well, Kelly, have you ever seen any other DJs? Uh, I have seen a lot of DJs, and let me just tell you, they cover themselves up with costumes because they have bodies like children. Yeah, no, I, I uh, used to hit some different decent places when I was uh, in, a, in a whole other life, and every DJ I met was always pretty skinny, and um, so DJ Muscle Boy definitely gets the nod on that one. He's definitely the most muscular DJ I've ever seen. So, so uh, Gills, um, you started in music how? Um, it started off as a joke on a radio show, which we have here in uh, Iceland called uh, FM 95.blow. Uh, and uh, I talked about as you be a DJ, and uh, I thought DJ Muscleboy was uh, fitting. And uh, then in, uh, in some joke, I decided to put on a show. I put on a show, a lot of people came. Then I, felt, then I thought, uh, why not uh, make a song? So I made louder, and uh, then it's shit started escalating. It's crazy. It's been like almost viral, super successful, and I mean that's that's kind of what I like about your persona is that you can tell it kind of started as a joke, but you actually have like to me like some pretty catchy tunes. Like the music's pretty catchy. I mean, do people in Iceland? Um, you know, do they recognize you places and people at your gym, they know that you obviously have like this kind of double life, right? Yeah, because uh, I think I'm not lying when I say that every person here in Iceland knows me. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, there's 300,000, so. Yeah, so, so, it's, so it's not a big deal to be uh, known by everyone in Iceland. It's, you know, it's one block in New York. It's only 300,000 people. Yeah. But, you know, and everyone know that I'm, uh, that I'm a strength coach. Yeah. And and they know I'm a highly successful teacher. <laughs> so so tell me how then you got into strength training to begin with. I mean, were you doing this when you were like a kid? Was it to pick up chicks? Um, so how how did you start training? Uh, I was I was practicing soccer when I was younger, and uh, up until well, I was maybe 18, 19, 20. I also played ice hockey for four years. Here in Iceland, and uh, then I, so one day I decided to uh, try this weightlifting stuff. When I put my hand on the uh, cold iron, and then there was no turning back. That is, that's probably much like most of our experiences. That's uh, that's pretty point, poignantly put. Um, so I mean, as far as like training, have you do you stick mostly to like a bodybuilding? type of program? Do, have you tried different programs or do you ever compete in anything? Mm, I have uh, competed once in uh, deadlift. Oh, okay. And uh, but I all, all, always liked you know the bodybuilding routine but with the powerlifting concept also because I like being uh, strong and look on the beach. That's yeah. my concept. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me of. Uh, do you know who Klokov is, the weightlifter? Yes. Yeah, he's got a banging body, and he does quite a bit of bodybuilding as well. I don't know if he's doing drugs, but let me just tell you, he he's got he's essentially like that kind of uh, very dense physique where you can tell that he does complex barbell movements, but he also is clearly putting in some bicep and tricep time. That guy is uh, ridiculously strong. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw a video once where he did a 200 kilo push press. Oh my god. I Ridiculous. thought mine was impressive. I have 125 kilos, yeah. pounds, which is 260 pounds. Yeah. But uh, that guy who's uh, under 100 kilos, push presses 200 kilos, that's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah, but so... That's my concept, you know, I, the, I, I always uh, lift weight six days a week and uh, try to have it uh, heavy because, you know, I have a deadlift partner who, who comes in and out of uh, workouts. His name is Benedict Magnuson and he is uh, not a pussy when it comes to deadlifting. <laughs> nice. So, I mean... What um what is your favorite lift then? Is it deadlift? I've always liked the deadlift. Yeah, jo uh, Johnny's like you, like big deadlift fan. Yeah, because you know uh, we had a strongman here in Iceland called uh, John Paul Sigmarsson. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he died, but died early. But uh, a lot of Icelanders still look up to him, and he has a sentence which no reason to be alive if you can't do deadlift. Oh my God! So did he die deadlifting then? Yes, he died deadlifting. <laughs> no, he did not. I, I'm not shitting you. He was oh. on deadlifting in a gym called Gym 80 here in Iceland, and he sat down and fell down, and uh, yes, that was it. So 32, he... 32 years old. Holy shit! But he won the world's strongest man four times before he uh, fell down. Oh my God! So when he died, what did the what did they say he died of? Like a like a heart uh, uh, issue? There was a big artery that just uh, exploded. There was there was a in his family there was high blood pressure and some you know uh, some heart disease in the family. But he didn't want to go to a doctor in Iceland because he thought they would, they would spread rumors that he was taking steroids. So he just ignored it. Yeah. If he hadn't ignored it, he would probably still be alive today. Wow. Too so much he, he fell down in the gym and they tried to pump him with a fire extinguisher because they could not, not you know, pump his heart with the, because he was so big. So oh, my God. But, uh, yes, that was John Paul uh, Sigmarsson, uh, a legend here in Iceland. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's super nuts. So do you train with the same people? Have you trained with the same lifting partners for years, or has has it alternated? Do you ever train with any women? Oh, it, it rotates. I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have friends who come in and out, and I'm helping, but you know, they're all this, they are friends who are uh, not technically, you know, bodybuilders or powerlifters. I'm just doing them a favor, letting them join the workout, which. Uh, which I don't know uh, why I'm doing it because it means I'm having a shittier workout. Yes. Yeah. I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I asked you before the show if you've been to the States and you said that you had. So where have you uh, visited in the States? Uh, New York uh, three times. I've been to LA just uh, shortly for a couple of days because we did a television show here in Iceland called The American Dream which was a reality show where we were competing, uh, driving in the States. So we went to Seattle, Portland, Vegas, LA, and some places where we just drove around the country. And uh, Oh, neat. Did you win? Of course. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. <laughs> so when, when you were in the States, did you get a chance to train? Yeah. I, uh, I took a workout on Muscle Beach. 
<laughs> nice. Very good. Up and uh, had an amazing workout. I loved that. How would you say that, um, based on your perception of like weight training in the states and what you know in Iceland and Europe, um, how would you say the two cultures kind of relate, or um, how they might not relate? I mean, what's the comparison like? You know, I actually think like the Icelanders are uh, similar to mm-hmm. you guys in the states. We have a lot of people who are in ridiculously good shape and know a lot about nutrition and workout. And we also have, uh, I think Iceland, you know, is getting close to top five from the fattest countries in the world. So, you know, we, we have, like you, both of, of uh, both of the worlds, you know, people out of shape and people in very good shape. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like as, as um, those ends of the spectrum become more extreme, like as, as people become more and more obese, the people who are in shape and the people who are serious about weight training, they become almost more extreme because uh, I don't know if it's fear or if it's just, um, you know, it's just, it, it's just extreme lifestyles seem to go in, in polar opposites, you know? Yeah, but I think you guys are, you know, I think you are you are ahead of us, you know, in the in the training and the coaching, of course. But we are catching up here. Yeah. Do you, do you ever train with women? I have a lot of you know clients who are women, mm-hmm. and I have a girlfriend who, which occasionally uh, joins my workouts. But mm-hmm. usually, I'm with the men. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me too. So. Um. <laughs> But I, but I, I should have been born in the states because I would be uh, if I was born in the states, I would now be an NFL player 100%. That is a sport which is uh, made for me. I run 100 meters in 11 seconds and ridiculously strong, but there's no NFL here. There's no football. What, what, are, you, what are you weighing in at, Gills? I'm usually around just 90. Two to ninety-five kilos, which is what is you you talk about it in pounds. Well, that is uh, two hundred pounds, two hundred ten pounds. So I'm not very heavy. Yeah, but you're fast. Yeah, I'm fast, and I'm uh, not been uh, because I've been lifting heavy. I've uh, I've been focusing on strength for a long time. So. So how often do you throw sprints into your training? I did it a lot because uh, we did it on leg days, but I've not did, done it uh, for some time now, which uh, sucks. But I have, uh, you know, a track just outside the gym. But I have to uh, get my ass out there again. How, how tall are you, Gills? I'm one eight eighty-four centimeters. Oh shit! What is that in? Somebody. Oh. Somebody carry the two and do the math on that. I don't know. Uh, I can probably find that out. It's all right. Well, I'll I'll look it up after the show. I'm sure it's probably if you're 200 pounds, you're probably like six foot or something like that. Yeah, six foot exactly. Okay. All right. Good. That was a good guess on my part. Um, so what are what are some of your big influences for training? I mean, you talked about uh, some some of the guys from your homeland um, that are clearly badass and have like that almost like old school brute strength you know and are doing that that type of training do you have any other uh like major influences i'm a huge fan of arnold like 
probably everyone. Yeah. I like him a lot. I think he's funny, and uh, and I've been following him and read his books, and uh, you know, I I'm a huge fan. Was he part of your influence for also kind of the swagger behind the camera? Yeah, I think I could say that. Because I would, what I always uh, loved about Arnold, you know, because he has a, a great personality. He was not just uh, extremely muscular, but he was also funny. What were some of the things that you did when you were a kid? Um, you had mentioned soccer and wanting to play football. What, was there anything else? I mean, did you guys, did you live in a city? Um, or were you kind of out in the country, or how did that work, and did it yeah. uh, have any influence on your strength? I live uh, in a town called Kopavor, which is next to Reykjavik, which is the capital. But it's, uh, you know, it's just the second largest uh, town here in Iceland. And uh, I was just a typical kid here, just playing uh, soccer and uh, doing uh, nothing until I was I found my passion when I was 20 years old and uh, started lifting uh, weights then I I started to learn about that so I got into uh, I got a BS now in sports science so I I finished that and um, still currently you not know, getting more educated in because my number one uh, my passion is, uh, you know, the nutrition, workout, and coaching. And muscle, a, boy, muscle boy, muscle boy is only a side project for now. There's a, a American line that asks, uh, "What came first, the music or the misery?" So I guess in your case, the muscles came before the music. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. Uh, Gil, because, because I am the most, you know, uh, I am the most muscular DJ uh, in the world now, right now, and. Uh, I'm not liked in the DJ community because the standard DJ is thin with belly fat. So I'm challenging uh, that standard DJ look with my muscular body. So uh, uh, I have so many questions regarding this right now. Uh, so so first of all, the, the life of a DJ is not one that is normally known as the most healthy lifestyle, right? Because let's think about it. Like you sleep in until like four in the afternoon you have a couple beers to take over the hangover that was from the previous night, and um, and then you know you prepare yourself for a show or whatever uh, by then getting hammered again. And uh, you know uh, again, I'm kind of like I'm joking a little bit, but I mean the life of a DJ, you have um, hours of, you work hours that are sort of uh, super late at night. And I realize that you don't do this all the time, but I mean, how do you balance those things when you go? to the states for a show or you go uh, you know you're doing a show you know a couple times a month that that is enough even in just a show a month or two shows a month that's enough to throw you off of like your training and your game right so how do you combat that uh, what I do I try to keep you know if I have a show on Saturday I try to keep Monday to Saturday ridiculously strict in uh, the diet and exercises so uh, I can you know I never drink myself to shit when I'm having a show, but mm -hmm. I love uh, I love drinking red wine with a steak, and I love uh, beer. So, but I never drink myself too hammered because I'm always in the gym next day after a show. Yeah, so, crazy. Uh, and of course, because you know, I 
because it is a side project for me here in Iceland, about this muscle boy stuff. So I choose, you know, few gigs and big. So I I would not have the tolerance to do Friday, Saturday gigs every weekend because, like you said, this does not go really well with the bodybuilding lifestyle. But I think I am the only bodybuilder slash DJ in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, I would. Bottom. I would say that you are absolutely. Uh, so I mean, it's that's great. Then you 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 strike a balance, and not only that, you practice what you preach. So you're you're training like the next day, and you're you're making sure that you know, like you said, it's not so over the top that it just destroys you for you know the next day or the next couple of days, which is great. Well, it's really hard to be completely sober when you're when you're putting on a show, but when it's for two, three, four beers, you know, it's. And you don't have a hangover the next day, and you're in the gym. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, for sure. Can you walk us through kind of your creative process for your original stuff you're putting on YouTube and like Callie's rocking out to? Do you have a notepad in the gym with you, a recorder, and all that, or is it just it just flow from you? Yeah, I I always have a rule when I get a good idea, I just write it down because I uh, I never trust my memory. So when I get a good idea, I write it down and. Uh, and I try to uh, put it in action as soon as possible because you get a lot of good ideas, you write it down, you do nothing. So, uh, but I've been, you know, it started out here in Iceland for me uh, 12, 13 years ago when I, when I opened up a group blog with just a couple of friends and we just used the website to write about partying and lifting weights and, you know, some bullshit. It, it was originally only for us, but then it became quite popular and I was asked to write a, a weekly article in a newspaper here so I said okay I can do that and I wrote a weekly article there and uh, at that time it was maybe around 2005 there was a big discussion about the metrosexual man and me and my friends were the guys people thought about uh, when that word came up metrosexual so I was writing and preaching about the metrosexual lifestyle a lot but it was always highly exaggerated on my behalf because I talked about having 20 to 30 different types of moisturizers but that was, my, <laughs> that was of course horseshit I I only had one so I was writing that I was awesome. writing to writing to piss people off that yeah. was, so that is how I started so I wrote an article in, in newspaper pissed a lot of people off uh, then a guy came to me and asked hey do you want to write a book so I said, uh, why not? And that book was named The Bible for the Beautiful People. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and, came out two, and came out 2006. And after that, I wrote three other books. Two, two have become bestsellers here in Iceland. And after that, you know, uh, there was a television show and uh, a movie. Wow. So, but I, I don't, it, it basically, I don't know it was what I did to... Uh, attract this stuff but you know it's just escalated there was the articles then there came the books then came the tv show then came the movie it all been just kind of coming to me here yeah yeah it's that's that's great um so i'm so shocked that people uh identified you as a almost like a poster boy for a, a metrosexual i remember when that term was first coming on the scene and, you know, I guess metrosexual 
would mean somebody like a guy who actually takes care of himself. Um, and then people, and then people started to take a really bad spin on that. So if you dressed well and you took care of yourself and you actually paid attention to the things that you put in your body, like Mm -hmm. suddenly, like suddenly you became a metrosexual. If you're not like some blathering idiot with a beer gut, who's standing at a, you know, like just standing in the stands at an NFL game, like that's supposedly that was a man. And if you were like, if you were in shape and not doing that, you were considered a metrosexual, right? It's crazy. I found because when I when I found out that it was it was pissing people off that I talked to me myself as a metrosexual and I was pissing off people in Iceland, you know, the artists uh, especially, you know, fellow writers and uh, actors and they were uh, annoyed about this me talking about being a metrosexual. So I was, you know, I thought I was I always thought about how I look and uh, take care of my, you know my diet and the workouts but when I when I found out I was annoying people that's when I just uh, increased it yeah just fuck it because you know what it's it's uh it's sensational at that point you know and it draws a lot of attention and it's it's super smart of you to do that because I mean it's ultimately brought you to where you are now the notoriety right yeah because uh, that's how it started you know I was always writing stuff to get a reaction from you know, I got I got people who loved it and laughed, and I got people who hated it. Yeah. Kelly, I remember when uh, when I first traveled to Sweden in 2009 to go over and work with uh, Stockholm SWAT. I remember we were hanging out like in Stugard, which is like the downtown kind of trendy area, and there were all these kind of like androgynous looking like. I thought they were, you know, uh, uh, alternate lifestyle guys, rocking sure. like like pink polo shirts, collars up, white sweaters around, like uh, like light blue to aqua capri pants with like boating shoes. Uh, I mean, these guys were like 115, 120 pounds, mm-hmm. and I, I thought like I was in Boys Town, and then all of a sudden they had these girls on their arms that were like twelps, like right. the most beautiful uh, <laughs> Swedish girls you've ever seen. And yeah. I'm like, and I'm I'm hanging out with um, these guys that are either like uh, fighters, uh, like uh, Alex Gusasin and like um, uh, SWAT guys. I mean, all like big dudes that lift weights. And not one of these girls had any desire to even rap with us whatsoever. And finally, I like we started rapping with these dudes, and they're like, "Oh yeah, over here, like you guys look like construction workers or like low class. Like we're like the upper class, have money, success in this, and like that's what the girls want." And uh, as I'm about to, like, knock this dude into the middle of the next week, um, sure enough, these two beautiful girls walk up and on the dude's arm, and he kind of, like, shot me a wink and walked away. And I was like, that little motherfucker. Crazy. I'm like, so now I got to, like, rock a pink polo shirt and, like, basically not eat for the next six months? Fuck that. <laughs> so, and um, that was kind of uh, at the time. I mean, this is five or six years ago. So that was really my first time I'd ever seen straight men with, like, plucked eyebrows and, like, uh, you know, like – you know, tanning salon and like right. just those, that. Those are the um, those are the true metrosexuals, and uh, those are the people who are you're just kind of like who, who've who've taken manicuring themselves to like an extreme. And I mean, shit, I'm from Washington D.C. and uh, I know a manicured man when I see it, and usually he's not metrosexual. He's not even heterosexual. Um, and so yeah, there's there's an extreme for everything. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I, I don't know how it is in Iceland, but, um, you know, I got to imagine, you know, uh, when we went to Norway, uh, when we were in Oslo, we saw a little bit of that, but as we got out, it wasn't like that, and that's how guys weren't, so maybe it was just Stockholm, 
and really we started calling it Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like it was uh, just kind of a, a funny deal, but I always remember hanging out with those guys and then just shaking their heads, and they're like, dude, uh, these guys are just basically morphing what they think the girls want. I'm like, well, those chicks are pretty banging, so obviously they're doing something right, but they probably went home and the girls had to hold them and cry or something. Yeah, so Gil's in the same, um, sort of in the same theme, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about, uh, like, the evolution of man up until this point? I mean, that's a broad question, but what do you think about how men have sort of evolved into... Um, like even culturally, men have almost become part of the system where they raise their kids, where every every child gets a trophy, and uh, you know every um, you know they've become much more of like the sensitive type. And I don't know if it's because of the type of work that men do now, which is typically like you know just like anyone else, it's behind a desk. But they're not, you know, they've lost. Uh, to some degree, that almost that edge, that 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 masculinity edge that has was established, you know, from like more industrial type times, right? Yeah, yeah, that that demasculinization of uh, men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you know, I I hope it's uh, changing, but I know what you're talking about. There are a lot of uh, uh, the men wearing skinny jeans and uh, and having uh, a lot of belly fat, but. 100 pounds and belly fat. It's not. Uh, it's not the look uh, you want. Yeah. But, you know, <clears throat> the shitty diet is uh, ruining people's bodies. That's what's uh, happening. Yeah. You know, in Iceland, we, we have shitload of you know fast food here. Probably as probably as much as you. But you know, it's it's so divided here. We have uh, we have you know the the, the extremely fit people. Like Anni, tourist daughter, and all the crossfitters and bodybuilders and strong men, which we have a lot here in Iceland. And then we have the, the a lot of young people who are in completely out of shape. I get people here in my chair uh, who are children who are born 2002, 2003, and are over 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, so, so what do you think? Do you, do you think that it's just been like a major turn? Um, I mean, we literally wrestle with this and talk about this daily, that it's almost as if uh, we've started to design a culture that's incapable of doing just basic things. I mean, like everything we do now is, uh, you know, either by a computer or you take it somewhere to somebody else, and it's like this kind of, you know, age-old deal. And I know, uh, you know, geez, all the guys that kind of, you know, are on this podcast are – uh, you know, more type of people to actually go do something and kind of put yourself out there. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a cruel, cruel world and, uh, you know, you got to be prepared for it. So it just sounds like, and what's a little sad is you have a country of 300,000 people, especially one that has, you know, a killer biking culture. And, um, you know, I kind of always grew up a little bit as my grandparents were from Denmark and, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's kind of depressing to hear that, but you know what I always say, dude, like, you know, if we got to be the alcove or the, uh, the sanctuary for it, I'm more than happy to take that, uh, take that leave. Yeah, we. I think you know when I get a when I get a kid in my chair who is uh, 12 years old and over 200 pounds, uh, you know usually when I meet their parents they are uh, also uh, extremely overweight. So and when I get the kid in the chair and I start talking about their diet, I ask you know how is the how is the food in your school, and it's all just carbs, 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 and uh, they don't know how to be in better shape, but they want to be in better shape. They feel bad about being in bad shape. And when I tell them what to eat, what not to eat, they all get results because all these people who are, uh, you know, ruining their bodies, they, all the children, 
they can easily change it. You just have to tell them. They yeah. don't know how. Yeah. If you tell them, you tell them uh, they will do it. That's my. Uh, that's uh, what I have been uh, doing here. And uh, so, what's your like? What's your coaching? Uh, personality and persona like I mean you know we we at Power Athlete HQ we are not necessarily known for um, being the most kind of empathetic or um, you know tactful sort of coaches I mean we're not assholes but we we also are kind of we, we sort of kind of tell people like it is because well, Callie, that's my part of the brain that got damaged playing in the NFL that what they got damaged, yeah. yeah. So the the part of my brain that got damaged from uh, all the ten years of collisions is actually the part that deals with sympathy and empathy. So I know, I know, it, it's, and it's I don't. Bled in and uh, it's bled into you guys, and I couldn't be more proud. I know. I'm like wondering what my excuse is, but uh, well, just like uh, a proud uh, papa. Well, I, I always laugh at Callie. You know, uh, we were sitting on a plane, and I took that picture of you reading the uh, like how to like um, what was it? How, how to deal toughness. With, yeah, the mental toughness book, and all these people are like, "Is that required reading to work for you guys?" Like, yeah, dude, people thought I was reading that for, for to to be better at sport. I was reading that so that I could work for you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you found that on the plane. No. Uh, no, no. She she bought it, and I looked over there, and she was like reading. I could see her talking to herself, like giving a pep talk. I'm like, "What are you doing?" She's like. I'm actually rehearsing the scenarios in the book on how to deal with you, and I'm like, all right, well, let's start a little bit. Let's have a drink, and then I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna get sideways on that. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, the 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 final level of actually uh, uh, becoming part of our staff, and really like you know the the final level of mental toughness is you actually have to go live at my mom's house. Oh my God, no, can't do it. I refuse. No, it's, yeah, I mean. <laughs> As uh, you guys have all seen Rocky uh, two when he's like um, hard or Rocky three when uh, the Stu Nahan's like hard words from a hard man. That's what we used to say about my mom. We're like hard words from a hard woman. <laughs> from a hard man, you still call her oh, a hard man. Uh, <laughs> brutal. So, um, but, I but mean, you know what? Like uh, you know, that's what it kind of takes. I mean, uh, you know, that kind of lack of coddling, and I think uh, we've you know, and I, I I've seen it. You know, I, I have two little girls that are three and a half. And the way that other parents deal with their kids and how they are is like um, is so different than how I was raised and you know how we've basically been raised for the last you know two thousand years let's say so right I, and how, and how people expect us to like treat clients as well and like you know that was kind of my 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 point to Gills too is like hey like you know when you have that kid because we've all had that kid in our chair and especially John too has a interesting story about having a like a 14 year old who is super overweight but like I mean how do you address your clients are you sympathetic or you are you just like here's what you have to fucking do yeah I, I always try you know to just uh, read uh, the client because sometimes I have a kid who is you know really nervous and yeah. uh, and it, it, it depends on just the type I get I, I love getting a you know a hardcore crossfitter and you know some so I'm a really tough uh, son of a bitch, uh, like you guys. And I also get, you know, uh, some who is weak, and I have to, I would not say cuddle, but, you know, be a little gentler. But I, but I always focus so much on, on the nutrition with the, with the guys. That is, uh, that is what I, uh, you know, put most emphasis on. 
That's super smart. I mean, obviously, you know through your education, but it takes people way too long in their own training life and experience before they realize, and I'm talking like years and years, before they realize that nutrition is the defining factor between looking and like performing mediocre and then looking and performing like like your optimal level, you know? Um, yeah. it, take, it takes people way too long to figure that out because nobody wants to fucking fix it because people... You know, they enjoy, they enjoy whatever comforts that food afford them, you know. You know, they always say investment comes through understanding. Everybody hits that, that wall, and they want the squats to keep going up, cleans to keep going up. So then, after you say the same thing after two years, then they start actually applying it. So kind of keeping in, in talking with just, like, your experience with athletes and, and training and stuff, um, you know, what are some of your biggest frustrations? I mean, all of us have worked with individual clients and athletes um, or teams or things like that. You know, what are some of your biggest frustrations where you are like, I cannot, I can't fucking deal with this right now? Um, uh, what is uh, frustrating? There are a lot of people who just can't put the candy bar down. Right. They just can't fix the diet. But... Uh, I never give up, you know, on the people because I have I've had clients who've been basically taking a shit for uh, one or two years. Then just they wake up just one morning and it clicks and the diet is good and they start progressing. So for that, but you know, uh, laziness is uh, I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just an athlete or a client who comes in and is just not willing to work hard. Yeah. yeah. And part of it, too, is, like, from from a coaching standpoint, when you wake up every day and you're excited about what you do and what you can offer people, and then you're only met with uh, somebody who is not excited and doesn't want to, you know, has uh, feels like they're completely dependent on you and saps you for all of your energy, mm-hmm. um, that, can, that can definitely get old. Um, it's, I think it's just one of those constant struggles that we all sort of deal with, but my God, I think that's why we all train in our own personal lives so that we can then get back to like a, like a sane mindset after that. You know, I want, I want some dirt. I want to hear some crazy antics or shenanigans. I don't know if you're familiar with the word shenanigans. It just means crazy, crazy shit. Um, I mean, you've must've done a lot of shows. What's like the craziest thing you've seen has like... Some girl, you know, from from the crowd, like, taking off all of her clothes and tried to come on stage and all that stuff. Um, or guy, or guy. Uh, I, I have more guys who uh, want to go into the pitch. That is uh, weird. I believe uh, it. You know, in every show, I have a crazy fan. Uh, Wait, repeat that? It's the guys are the craziest at your shows? <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of guys who want to touch my muscles during the show. <laughs> Well, Luke Summers actually found your YouTube video for us. What's that? Luke discovered DJ Muscle Boy. That's not true. No, that's not true. That's not how we found DJ Muscle Boy. I did. I did. uh, uh, Kelly, you didn't find it. One of your friends recommended it. You're right, right. So, but but, but Luke... You think Luke will... Okay, here's the thing. Right now, Luke says right now that he's out hunting with his dad. But let me tell you, Gills, he is—he's gonna watch this and crank it so hard later 
Just to just to the thought of you flexing. <laughs> you uh, volume, right? Taking fucking uh, landmine shots right now, but uh, hey. Uh... <laughs> he is. He is. Um, but you know, I'm just like curious of what like the craziest thing. I mean, there's got to be like, has anyone um, I don't know, like uh, tried to like you know get on stage and like propose to you or something like that? Because because the, you know <clears throat> being a body bodybuilder powerlifter, uh, <laughs> you know it's different for Everyone's me. Everyone's afraid of you, right? Yeah, because you know when they run up on stage, if they don't get tackled by security and uh, <laughs> and they get to me when a crazy fan uh, will reach Muscle Boy, uh, that is never a problem because uh, I am a bodybuilder and. Uh, <laughs> If I were like the standard DJ, no muscles and a lot of belly fat, I would probably panic, but I keep ridiculously calm. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you ha you have to stay calm so, under that, that pressure. So yeah. is it is so is the thought that if somebody were to rush you on stage, you just fucking just lay them out? Yes, because awesome. I'm uh, I am uh, ridiculously strong. The world's most muscular DJ, and how yeah. how no, ridiculously? Wait, so are you also the world's most muscular DJ, but are you the world's strongest DJ? What are uh, your numbers like? Yeah. Like like let's get some lifts. Okay, um, uh, deadlift six hundred pounds. Got it. Uh, bench press uh, three hundred and sixty pounds. Just okay. Just okay. <laughs> I, I suck at squat. Uh, Four thirty pounds. pounds. Post press two hundred and sixty pounds. Who's got an echo? And, how, and how tall? Like what body weight? Like what body weight? I'm six foot and uh, two hundred pounds till two hundred and I, you know, I rock from two hundred to two seven. That's not so, bad. Those numbers aren't bad. Body weight deadlift. That's pretty fucking legit. And an over double body weight squat. And um, you know, like that's a pretty solid bench. One and a half times body weight. So. Yeah, and those now, are those are great benchmarks. Yeah, always been a deadlift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're a natural puller. Yeah. It, it, just from the beginning, it was uh, the lift that I progressed, you know, the fastest in. Well, the one thing I would like to do is definitely help you with your squat. I was watching some videos, man, and we gotta go, we gotta get that squat better. Yeah. <laughs> Get your ass to Iceland right now. There I'm fucking go. in. Like uh, I, I've always wanted to travel to Iceland. And I'm in. I need to. I need to. You know, fire my uh, celebrity workout partners, which are holding me back, and get you guys over here. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if we could coordinate it with one of your shows that you're doing in Iceland, or maybe you could just do a private show, which would be at a bar. We could just get fucked. <laughs> that up sounds. And, uh, that sounds. Lift sexual. some weights. Get fucked up, and then hear yeah. DJ Muscle Boy spin. Yeah. Well, we can write a power athlete song. And then he can mix it, put it together, Dude, and then we, we can jump in the video. Uh, hey, is yes. there a way to cut some music for like our intro? Yeah. So we have to commission we have to t commission Gills to do an intro to our podcast. So we have we have a podcast intro that one of a, a DJ friend of ours did who follows our training. Um, but we've had it for hack. we've had it for we've had it for like two years now, and I think it's it might be time for a change. And I think that's gonna break the heart of our buddy, but whatever. Listen, Ingo understands. Ingo. You got you got to give the people what they want, and right now they want DJ Muscle Boy. Yeah, that's exactly true. <laughs> um, so so we got your numbers. Um, I want to hear just just briefly, like what 
do you have any movies that you've watched, like any American movies that uh, that you've watched for inspiration, whether for training? We're big, like, movie buffs. We like all the cheesy action movies. I'm sure you have a few Arnold movies that maybe you're a fan of. Yeah, I've watched uh, probably uh, every Arnold movie there is, and I I love movies, and I'm also a huge uh, Slash the Lone fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tango and Cash is uh, probably the best movie of all time. Well, who, <laughs> is, yeah, who isn't a Stallone fan? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm also a huge Nicolas Cage fan. Uh, Con Air is just probably plus five. <laughs> oh my God. Are Con- you reading on oh, our list? Luke is so sad he's missing this right now. <laughs> Luke is actually the large. There, there's two things that Luke holds most dear in his heart, or actually three things. There's the Nicholas show Cage, friends. The show friends and DJ Muscle Boy, and he's missing out on all three of them right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Like every at least once or twice a day, I'll get some link for some like something on Friends, like a like a YouTube video, and I'm like, Luke, I, I you know, I think it's weird. They, I mean, he's got a, a phone case for Friends. Oh and my it's God. Weird. You're running jokes. You're right. Run- yeah, you're running joke about friends. Who loves friends more? This is a joke, Gills, because both of these guys accuse each other of of loving the show no, Friends. No, no, no. no. So what had happened is, is Luke <laughs> accused me of being a Friends fan, and I was like, I think I've seen the show, but I like, uh, you know, I think I watched it on an airplane, but I don't really remember ever watching it. And he, uh, he, it, it's almost like somebody, you know, and um, I always look at like, uh, uh, you know, guys that are extremely homophobic is like, you know, maybe trying to hide something. Luke is friendsophobic. He's trying to hide his love for friends. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I, I, uh, I admit it. I you, really? Oh my gosh. In the past, not recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it makes your uh, watching friends actually naturally lowers your testosterone levels. So yeah. you're, you know, because I know you're always trying to fight to keep, you know, good team levels. So I've been be- moving a lot since I quit. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, like if you know, you watch Friends, your T levels, you you weep a lot. It just it's fucking bad. It's like uh, getting your body fat over 20 percent. That just kills your T levels. Oh my god. Uh, so so, what's your favorite uh, Arnold movie? Is it Kindergarten Cop or uh, Twins or which one? Oh my god, that's uh, probably the toughest question I ever had heard. Conan? Uh, um, oh, my God. Uh, God damn it, Conan. I mean, it's got to be Conan. I mean, we have that movie on 24-hour loop here at the office. <laughs> what about I, Pumping Iron? That's well, a documentary. I, I, I have that movie. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Conan, every day I come in, I ask Luke what, what is best in life, and if he doesn't tell me to uh, hear the lamination of the women and have your enemies driven before him, I slap him. So it's usually pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really tough question because you know you have Commando, you have Predator. Predator. Just the, hand, the handshake in the beginning of the Predator should have gotten him an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, how come you don't have that handshake in all your videos? Oh, you should. I, I have that handshake. I had that handshake in one of my TV shows. Oh, with, okay, uh, okay. with the most with the most famous bodybuilder in Iceland called uh, his name is Magnus Bess. Magnus Bess, and uh, we reenacted the Predator handshake in that uh, show. It was fucking amazing. I, well, I, isn't, um, uh, isn't that big, uh, the big guy that just um, uh, just set, like, the, the Viking record from Iceland, like, the, the six-foot, was he, like, six-foot-nine, four yeah, It's Thor Bjornsson. Yeah, Bjornsson. So he's from Iceland. Um, my, my buddies were at the Arnold, uh, Jesse Burdick and uh, Mark Bell, and they said that they saw a guy walking, and they're like, 
why is that big bodybuilder on somebody's shoulders? And then as the guy got closer, <laughs> they were like, mother of God, that is the largest human being they'd ever seen. Yeah, Wait, he, so, he works out here in this gym. What? No, he works out there? Yeah, he works out a lot here in my gym, and he's, he's, he's over 2 meters and 180 kilos, uh, which is... Uh, Jesus. Holy so I'm, I'm, I'm 2 meters tall, and I weigh 130 kilos. Yes, he is, he is 400 uh, pounds. Shut or, over up. Here. And a jacked 400. He's yeah. the mouth. He's the mountain. He's the mountain. I gotta. I gotta Google him. I haven't watched Game of Thrones, so I don't know. Oh, you, what? You don't watch Game of? Oh my God! It's the only no. show I watch. <laughs> Yo, that and Friends. I heard. Uh, you know what? I don't watch Friends. Um, because you know, actually, it's not true. You know what I watch? I watch Doc McStuffin and Aquabots. That's my new show with the kids. Aquabots. Okay. So I, I see this. I see this picture of this guy right now. And yeah, he's, he's, he's enormous. He's, he's a mouth. He is jacked. He doesn't have, like, a, a belly or anything. No, he's 400. He, uh, the only guy that I ever met that was over – well, that's not true. Uh, I've met a few guys that were over 400 pounds in shape, and one of them was Bob Sapp. Bob was 6'4", like 4'10", and had abs. And then uh, Jeep Swenson was over 400, but uh, these guys were all 6'4", 6'5", and then uh, – the only other guys that I've seen that were close to 400 pounds were some black dudes that I played with that were really, really not in good shape. But to see an actual dude at 400 pounds in shape is pretty fucking inspiring. This is sad. It makes me sad because, uh, what am I, like 5'6"? And I, I I don't think I've ever had like a legit six-pack. And what, what the fuck is my excuse? These guys are enormous. They're like defying gravity and everything we know about body composition. This is ridiculous. Yeah. It's and all the genetic. Mountain, the mountain, the tour, uh, which uh, he finished third in World's Strongest Man uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, I talked to him the other day in the gym if he would, be, would like to be in my next video, next DJ Muscle Boys music video. And he, he said, of course. So. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so great. <laughs> and I was you know, also I... thinking about having Benedict Magnuson deadlifting uh, topless. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You, you, he, he probably has a lot. Of, I mean, you think that uh, dudes are trying to attack you. He probably has guys trying to attack him left and right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know what? Like, uh, you know, uh, everything that I've ever seen in the pictures of Iceland, it looks like probably like something out of, like, the, the time that Land forgot, you know? Yeah. But I think you guys would love it here because it is like a tiny USA. I mean, let's go. I think because the nightlife, if you like that, uh, it's crazy here. <laughs> Kids drink at like 14 there. It's crazy. Well, um, I uh, at least it's kind of like some of the other northern countries, like when we were in Norway and uh, in Sweden, where uh, because the the night or the the dark months come and like everybody just fucking becomes a shut-in. That like when it's like nice out, people are out tearing it up every night. And I remember being like, well, what do you guys do when it gets dark here? And like they all shot me this look, like that we we don't talk about the darkness. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's uh, we basically go out and spend the whole summer looking for a, a a you know a boyfriend or a girlfriend because once it gets dark, nobody goes out anymore. Oh my god, you need a hibernation partner. <laughs> um, exactly. Gills. All the babies are born during the dark. 
Gills, oh, one of our other passions is obviously consuming large amounts of meat. Um, mm -hmm. I was just curious as to, I know you said mentioned you like red wine and a steak, but mm -hmm. uh, what would be like your, your death row meal? So if you had one last meal, what would it consist of? And it can, it can be a cheap meal, don't worry. Mm, no, I love uh, beef tenderloin and red wine. I love it. And I also love lobster. We have a great lobster here in Iceland. Man, that sounds great. Yeah. So, so that is, I would probably, the last meal would probably be uh, a huge steak. Steak. And, and a glass of red wine. Simple man. Yes. Then I'm good. Then I'm happy. That's it. And then it's lights out. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, where can people find you if they're looking for uh, more information on you and just kind of want to do some research on DJ Muscle Boy? What, where would you send them? Mm, you know, people could just maybe check out my Facebook page because when I next uh, when I do my next song, I'm gonna post it there. Or if there are any any videos or upcoming shit, uh, my name is you know. It's Gills Einerson on Facebook, so just put on Gills in search. Yeah. And you should have my, my fan page there. So uh, I'm also on Twitter. and But I never, I, you know, I have DJ Muscle Boy page, but I'm never, you know, I don't uh, put much ambition into it yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, I know that your training thing is, is your main gig, and that's your focus. Um, yeah. So, do you think it would be possible? Are you? Do your books come in um, in English, or are they just in what? It, what it, Icelandic, I guess. You know, because uh, because of you know this Muscle Boy uh, thing, and uh, been you know I've had I've had requests from USA and Australia. I was thinking about maybe translating one of the books because the books are basically comedy with uh, good advices on uh, bodybuilding and you know powerlifting, nutrition, all that. So. Uh, I combine comedy with uh, good, with a good advice. Yeah. So I was thinking about why, why the hell not, you know, uh, translating it. To English. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that's that's like, uh, you know, most of the people who follow our podcast and follow kind of our our site. There's there's a a vein of comedy in everything that we do too, because I mean. Let's be honest. We're we're just a bunch of meatheads, basically lifting weights, and there's something comical about that. I mean, we're I you know none of us are ever gonna play in the NFL like John. Um, so but we just like to pretend we're kind of like those those people who train as if we were going to. But I mean, yeah. I mean, if you ever get it translated, um, gosh, I would for sure pick it up. I'm sure it'd be a pretty funny read. Um, yeah. I would love that you if I if I do. Great. Um, and then, you know, we're, I'm going to hit you up on an email separately, but are there any songs that you train to regularly that you think people um, should train to? Because we're gonna, I'm going to put together a little playlist based on DJ Muscle Boy and some of the, your, your inspirations, but is there like a go-to song that you put on when you're like, I'm going to pull a deadlift 1RM today? Mm, usually when I've been doing a... Know, an extremely heavy deadlift, then I will go into a hard, you know, rock. Yeah. But when I'm usually working out, if, if you know, uh, my uh, celebrity friends uh, bail on workout, then I usually have just, you know, a dance, 
techno rock mix. Yeah. I basically, I basically love everything. So there's not uh, any one song that I would talk about, but I, I could always put up a, a little playlist for you, for a typical playlist that DJ Muscle Boy puts on when he's having a hell of a workout. Yes, uh, I'm definitely going to email you immediately after to, to get that playlist because we want something that personifies how you train. Yes, that is uh, no problem. Okay, awesome, awesome. Guys, do you have any more questions for Gills? No, do you, ever train, do, you, yeah, do you ever train to your own music? Ha, yes. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm launching a new monster hit, then I... <laughs> Then I listen to it, uh, but uh, right now, you know, when I, the three old songs, Louder, Pump, Muscle Bus, no, then I have uh, someone else's music in my ears. <laughs> yeah. I imagine you, you play it enough and you've heard it a million times through, like, editing and stuff where you're, like, over it, kind of. Yeah, because when I'm, when I'm making a new song, I'm kind of, you know, when I work with guys who call themselves Stuff With Go, they're guys who uh, make the songs with me. And we are always, uh, you know, they're always sending me the latest edition. I'm always listening to it and find, finding ways to do it better. Yeah. Because the next song, I have to talk myself. Next song has to be better than Louder Pump and Muscle Bell. So it's pressure on DJ Muscle Bell now. That's right. Stress to progress. That's what we do in training, too. Yep. Uh, I was wondering, what, how often do you train? Uh, Callie had sent us a video of one of your training sessions where you and another guy are absolute savages. <laughs> and I was wondering how often you train uh, at that intensity. I don't know if Callie has a reference specifically, but... Hmm. I don't know who oh, you're... Was it, was it the Mercedes Club? Uh, yes, yeah. Video? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was, uh, <clears throat> that was a workout video which I did... Um, we competed as a as a comedy act on Eurovision here in Iceland, which is a big you know big competition in Europe, a singing contest, and and we just uh, wanted to make a video with to show how we be, because we wanted to be in shape on stage, you know. And the guy who was training with me in that video is called uh, Gasman. He is actually competing now on. Big, on a big uh, fitness or oh, no bodybuilding, uh, you know, competitions around the world. So he is uh, insane, more insane than me. So I would not say that every workout is the same intensity like in that video because the guys I'm working on now basically are uh, pussies. <laughs> yeah, that video was was legit for sure. Yeah, it was good. It's good because plenty of people talk about training and they can't really put their money where their mouth is. And uh, yeah, I mean, to put to put that video out there, you can definitely see the high level uh, that you guys that you guys train to, and it's it's fun too because it's like I don't know. There's there when you whenever I see any kind of bodybuilding uh, video, whether it's like an a throwback to you know, like an Arnold-type throwback or um, a more cur current video or if it's like, you know, Dorian Yates or something like that. There's almost a comedy to it. You can't help not, like, thinking there there's something a little bit funny about, like, just grown men, like, cheering on each other and just, like, the grunting and stuff. It's pretty It's pretty awesome. Dude, we, uh, Kelly, you got to watch it, but uh, I don't even know if they make it or they sell it anymore, but Dorian Yates used to have a training video that was called, like, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, or I think it was, like... I've seen it. 
it's it's like he's in like a basement dungeon of a of a workout like a, a gym in like somewhere I want to say it's in uh, I mean it's in the UK but I can't remember exactly where it is it might be in Manchester and it's like a dungeon and this I mean the, the shit this guy's doing I mean he's doing like sets of 10 and 12 with like you know reverse grip bent rows with like 585 Jeez. he's wearing like sweats that look like he like beat up Rocky Balboa for him I mean dude like it's 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 one of those things you're watching it and like you're kind of like co- you know covering your mouth like gasping in horror being like Am I really watching this? Like the <laughs> snuff film? It's like the, the snuff film of workouts. And I remember watching it when I was uh, years ago. And at that point, I was like, I got to train up, turn up my fucking training intensity. Like that yeah. was uh, the only thing I just left there being like, fuck. Like that's what it takes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of like what I'm talking about. Where you're like watching it and you're like, is this real? This is this is absurd. But it's like, I mean, we've shoot. That's what that's bodybuilding. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, but in uh, in that video that you were talking about, it, it's from 2008, so it's uh, seven years ago we made that because I will now make the statement that that my squat now is ass to the ground. Ah, yes, good. That squat is that squat in uh, the video is uh, embarrassing. <laughs> and it's documented. <laughs> well, good. Uh, well, we we look forward to hopefully making it out to Iceland sometime. It'd be great to do a seminar out there. And if we do, we're training at your gym. We won't take no for an answer. Uh, it's uh, it's a date. Great. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, Gills, thanks so much for taking the time out to talk with us. We are we're just the common man, and you're you, we know that you're on a higher level. You are you're the dynamic duo, the most world's mo- most muscular DJ. Uh, and strongest DJ. And strongest. Uh-huh. <laughs> we so just even like the most powerful DJ. World's most powerful DJ. Didn't we have a competition for that? <laughs> oh, that's great. We just have to spread the word in the USA. If there is a bodybuilder out there who thinks he's uh, has more muscles or stronger than Muscle Boy, I'm looking for him. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a showdown. You may have some takers on that, Gills. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you so much again. Yes, nice talking to you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Gills. Bye, Gills. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You heard it here first, folks. If you need something to train for, perhaps accepting DJ Muscle Boy's challenge of competing for the title World's Most Muscular DJ is just the motivation you need. I'd personally like to see a DJ Muscle Man come out of the woodwork, but that's just me. Don't forget to look for Gills Einerson on Facebook under his stage name or Instagram under eGillGills. That's Gills with a Z. Join us next week when we talk to Travis Pollan about training the adaptive athlete. You can find that interview with him on powerathletehq.com under Training Adaptive Athletes Part 1 and Part 2 to get a head start on what it's like to be, to coach, and to compete in this unique and amazing population. Until next week, bye!